It's December 10th, 2014, and welcome to another edition of Bite Marks Cafe, where we serve you the first bite of today's technology. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. First, we'll cover some local science and tech stories, then we'll get a brief on Hawaii's innovation economy. Rich Wacker from American Savings Bank and also the Hawaii Business Roundtable is joining us to tell us about the Innovation Assets Report. Then, after the break, we kick off our annual gadget and holiday geek gift show. Paul Lawler and Melissa Chang will share their picks and answer your calls for help when it comes to getting something special for that geek in your life. Be ready to call in with your suggestions or questions, but first, the headlines. The state of Hawaii last week announced that it was implementing a cloud-first policy, one of the first such decrees in the nation. The cloud-first philosophy means that the state government will think of building things online before investing in locally positioned and maintained hardware. The new policy puts the Hawaii government private cloud front and center. In In addition to using it to host all new information technology projects, the state says that it will move existing applications to the cloud as well. Specifically, the new policy sets a clear preference for departments to use the state's private cloud over existing and often outdated legacy systems, systems for which further investment of taxpayer dollars can't be justified. Departments must develop a formal plan by March to leverage cloud services for their existing and future applications. The Hawaii government private cloud was developed and launched as part of the state's technology transformation plan, which we featured on our show last week. Now that the system has reached initial operating functionality, it can provide infrastructure as a service to all state agencies. The system addresses the legal and policy requirements that cover state IT systems, including information security and privacy, along with federal compliance uh, compliance mandates. It will also improve the state's risk assessment relating to disaster recovery since the cloud is less vulnerable to site-specific incidences. Governor David Ige said in a statement, governments around the world are becoming more efficient and cutting costs by reducing duplication and pursuing consolidation of resources and processes. This is core to Hawaii's cloud computing and IT consolidation initiatives and will help our state conduct business in a more modern and efficient business-like way. Now, you know, if you are like us, I mean, we think of the cloud as uh, Google services. You've signed up for Amazon Web Services. Amazon Web Services, but... I talked to uh, the folks over at OIMT, and, and they basically said that this is a set of equipment that exists behind their firewall. It's based on IT, uh, IP protocols, and it has the software for backup, resilience, and, and actually disaster recovery. So it is part of the internal cloud. But it's not it's a closet thought cloud. of as being, you know, like, yeah, an external cloud service. But uh, it's open in a way, I guess, that a cloud service would be. So if you're inside the system, if you're a state department and you say, okay, well, you know, I've been backing this thing up to zip drives and I can't find zip disks anymore. Mm-hmm. Maybe I can go ahead and start copying it over to this service. Correct. I see, I see. So it's not, you know, publicly accessible. It's just sitting behind the firewall. So uh, there are the protections that go along with that. Now, we're exploring, uh, we're, we're looking to actually upgrade our systems where I work. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the good things about setting up what you would call a private cloud is that at some point when you say, okay, for greater redundancy or accessibility or whatever reason, you do want to put it on the cloud cloud, <laughs> like an Amazon cloud or a Google cloud, um, that kind of replication is easier to do than it would be to go straight there. So, I mean, this is still a, a small step, I think. Right. And, direction. you know, you can actually put the same sort of devices on uh, the network, let's say on 
around Maui or the Big Island right. and have that sort of internal cloud extend to the neighbor islands, have backup and resilience uh, as them, a part yeah. of the you know the systems that get impl- implemented there. So you can even you know put some of the servers on the mainland if you wanted to. Right, and you know one of the first in the country. I think California is the only one that I could find when I tried to research it. The federal government has a similar mm-hmm. initiative, mm-hmm. but it's good to be leading the way in some places. Well, there are many ingredients needed to foster a thriving technology industry in Hawaii. We're going to talk about that in a bit. But one of the most critical needs continues to be widely accessible, high-speed Internet access. This week, the State Department of Commerce and Consumer Affairs announced the latest phase of its broadband initiative. Following on the heels of the Hawaii Broadband Map Project, in which Hawaii businesses and residents were encouraged to report their Internet speeds, the DCCA is now looking for volunteers that will help them go straight to the source for concrete performance information. The Measuring Broadband Hawaii project will involve volunteers installing a small modified router at their locations that will constantly measure the up, down, speed, latency, and other aspects of the Internet connection. The DCCA notes that it will only take measurements when the network is idle. The department also emphasizes that the hardware does not look at packets, content, or other information about what the volunteer is doing on the network. The two largest local internet service providers, Oceanic and Hawaiian Telecom, are collaborating with the state on this initiative. The Measuring Broadband Project is part of a national collaboration with the FCC, with the DCCA paying for the hardware and the FCC and its contractor handling the capture and compilation of the data. Volunteers will also have real-time access to the information on the performance of their internet service. The DCCA will be recruiting volunteers for the next couple of weeks with the hopes of sending out white boxes in the first week of January. For information, you or to volunteer to participate, you can visit measuringbroadbandamerica.com. That's an FCC site. Or you can go to the DCCA site at cca.hawaii.gov. Now, I, of course, was uh, most interested in in what they were actually going to monitor. And, of course, they gave these reassurances that they're not uh, taking They're not checking that you're watching cat videos. That's right. Right. Well, yeah, I do a lot of that on Facebook. (laughs) Uh, But so it is pretty interesting because previously what they were doing locally was having people go in and and basically manually do a speed test and then report what they would find. And now this is kind of an automatic way of of, uh, finding that information. Right. I mean, well, self-reporting has has issues when you're talking to develop statistical Mm -hmm. information. You might be only checking it when you're sitting at your computer, which might be the same time everybody else is sitting at their computer. So by distributing it randomly throughout the day, by, you know, being very cautious about the geographic distribution, I think they'll certainly get more data. It is part of a national program. Um, I kind of like, though, I mean, I signed up. I, I mean, signed up, too. Hey, that means they're going to send me a mysterious white box That's that right. I can hook up to my Internet connection. Right. What could possibly go wrong? So, yes, I definitely volunteered. I'm all for the government just <laughs> checking on what I'm doing. And finally, here's a couple of stories we wanted to share with you. A new website has been launched to showcase videos of talented people in Hawaii. 8084u.com is intended to be a platform to increase exposure and discoverability of local singers, bands, musicians, dancers, actors, models, comedians, and health and fitness trainers. Founded by Eric Rosenberg, a Los Angeles PR executive who moved to Hawaii earlier this year. 8084u.com offers video uploads, talent profiles, and ways for venue owners and content creators to find talent. Did you check out the site? 
I mean, yes, I, I did. There's cool videos. Yeah, I, I love that video that uh, <laughs> the guy's surfing on the uh, the river uh, right. out in the Waimea. Now, there's there's other websites for local, like the Hawaii Actors Network. Uh, Teddy Wells set that up and stuff. But anything that talks about you know trying to help these 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 performers find an audience or find uh, paying gigs basically is a good thing. Mm-hmm. And actually, on that front, I should say, uh, speaking of local talent, a Indiegogo crowdfunding campaign has been launched to put on the first Hawaii Sketch Comedy Festival. The event actually already has a place and time. It'll be in March uh, 2015 at the Doris Duke Theater. Uh, organizer and improv instructor Kimmy Balmolero is seeking contributions that will help her bring in speakers and instructors and, of course, help market the event. The Hawaii Sketch Comedy Festival will showcase creative entrepreneurs of tomorrow as well as uh, celebrate the classics like uh, Raps Hawaii and Booga Booga and, and names like that. So for information, if you want to help make this event happen, you can go to High Sketch Fest. Dot com. That's cool. I thought I'd never hear Booga Booga <laughs> again, but uh, good. Now, uh, joining us is Rich Wacker. He's the president and CEO of American Savings Bank, and uh, he's here to tell us about the Hawaii Business Roundtable Innovation Assets Report. Welcome to the show, Rich. Thanks. It's great to be here. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, you know, I, I got to see uh, your presentation as part of the uh, panel that uh, you folks were part of, uh, the Hawaii Venture Capital Association, and it, it was the uh, uh, Hawaii's sort of... Uh, innovation economy and 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 you talked about in fact there was a, a professor that came in and was talking about the sort of innovation assets and and i guess the hawaii business roundtable tell me a little bit about how did the hawaii business roundtable get into this sort of business of assessing innovation in hawaii well we were looking at what are the things that are going to create sustainable job growth here mm-hmm. and we think this sector is one of the best opportunities that we have you know the when you think about our economy everyone knows that Tourism drives a lot of money coming into the state. The military presence brings money into the state. And those things also then create more jobs in what we might call the local economy. But what we're looking for, because both of those have limits on on the growth that we'll see in those, and we'd like to see uh, and find and, and help encourage the other areas that can drive more job growth that will bring money into the state. And we believe that this innovation sector is is big and and a big opportunity. Mm-hmm. Now, Rich, not to oversimplify things, but I mean the Hawaii Business Roundtable has been around for some time, and a lot of people, or at least myself, would see that organization as kind of like a a representative of the stalwart, the the, the established businesses of Hawaii, the legacy businesses of Hawaii, very important to the industry or to the the economy of Hawaii. And at, as we've been, although we've been covering the evolution of the tech industry on this show, it's still the tech industry as a whole is relatively small. I think Bert has called it a boutique agency, something mm. or a boutique industry. Um, what what kind of interface do you see or foresee or hope between what I would say is like the American Savings Banks of the world and the startup app developer working at uh, Starbucks? Sure. Well, I think our motivation for doing this is the overall economy of the state, right? Because we believe that if we have good job growth in in and continue to bring money in, that supports more people coming into American Savings Bank and more people who will be going to restaurants and and going and building homes and renovating their homes and so buying insurance. So the the health of the local underlying the local economy is critical to all the traditional businesses. Mm-hmm. Now when you uh, talk about the innovation assets report, I mean what what were what were some of the things that you would let's say identify as innovation assets? Well, so what what we looked at it goes back to the the last question. 
Actually, what we found was that the economy here is quite a bit larger in the tech sector than any of us thought when we first started looking at it. You know, when you go across the spectrum, it's not only the startups and, and smaller companies that are newer companies that we talked about with the HVCA, but it goes all the way to the research activity at the university. And we went through and looked at, at the assets across the board from the universities through the the accelerator programs, the state-funded programs, the incubator programs, uh, different sources of funding in the state, the STEM programs at the, at the uh, secondary school, elementary mm -hmm. school, and university level. And when you think about creating the right ecosystem, as we think about it for the growth of the innovation sector, it's all those different assets. Mm -hmm. Now, do you see uh, – um, I know the report hasn't come out yet, right? right? And so it's something that – is on the verge of getting released? I mean, what's uh, what's uh, the timetable for the actual we, release? We hope to release it this month. We hope that it we're in the final stages of getting it. And it's really about what is that inventory of things that are here. Because getting everybody to look at w the resources that are already here in the state, we think is a big part of, A, getting in the same common language and understanding, and B, realizing that it really is big, and we're not talking about working from scratch and starting over. We're talking about how do we optimize all the things that are already here and help them work together better. Mm -hmm. Now, you were talking about uh, jobs as being one of the key metrics to measure right. uh, the health, the success, the growth of it. Um, I guess maybe we should wait for the re report, but we have you here for a preview. I mean, what in, in broad numbers, what are we talking about today uh, as uh, what you would say the innovation economy's uh, workforce size is, perhaps for Hawaii, and um, maybe Maybe in five years, I mean, how, where would you say, okay, now we have a thriving innovation economy? Like, what, where are we and where would you like to see us get yeah, to? Yeah, that's good. Um, so the goal of the report was really to, to make sure we had something that uh, the state, the counties, they all participated in the report, the Chamber of Commerce, the Business Roundtable. So it was really a broad um, coalition that was trying to get this information so that we all were working from the same data. So we, we went through and really looked at uh, a range of from the core technology sector through the creative economy, too. And so we've got a variety of cuts at the numbers. But from an innovation standpoint, we were really looking at that core technology sector. And when we get through the all the information that's here, there's about 20,000 jobs already mm -hmm. in the state in this core sector. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot bigger than any of us anticipated, that's and that's a lot bigger than anybody we've been sharing it with anticipated. For for perspective, uh, because I like banks and financial <laughs> companies, uh, the, the banking and insurance sector here is about 17,000 jobs. So when you, when you look at all of this together, it is quite large and something we should figure out how to optimize. I was kind of curious in terms of that number of 20,000, uh, were, let's say, individual employees within some of the traditional, uh, let's say, companies, let's say, uh, American Savings Bank, yeah. would they qualify as being tech workers inside a banking uh, corporation? Or was it purely people working in technology outside of the traditional companies? So it's a cut on companies that had higher than a certain threshold of of mm -hmm. tech workers mm -hmm. within their population. And it's what we tried to do by working with the group from San Diego, University of San Diego originally started this Connect organization. Um, and so we tried to do it on a basis that was comparable to other regions. And so we followed some of their guidelines on 
um, on what those thresholds were, and those details will be in the mm-hmm, report mm-hmm. when we get it. I out. was kind of curious: would uh, would a Hawaiian tell or an Oceanic qualify mm-hmm. as a tech company? Uh, they might, depending on the thresholds. Right. Yeah. I see, I see. Right. Well, so one of the things that I love that number. I mean, I'm yeah. impressed too, and I would like to be able to to be to to understand it and be able right. to use it because a lot of people ask Bert and I sometimes. You know, how are we doing? How is Hawaii doing? How's Honolulu mm-hmm. doing? Um, but one of the differences I would say between the banking industry and the tech industry, a discreetly measured part of that tech industry, is that you have a lot of large organizations under which a lot of people would work. But I would say in the tech industry, there aren't many. Large organizations. There are a lot of mid, medium, mid-sized in, uh, mm-hmm. organizations, and many, many, many very tiny organizations. So again, I, right. I think maybe from your Hawaii Business Roundtable uh, perspective, um, what, what, how healthy or, or what are you looking to to for these when you're you're basically saying a thousand companies with two employees instead of two companies with thousand employees? Right. Well, if you think about Hawaii in general, more than half the employment is with small companies. So we like small companies, and small companies are good. But what we saw is the, the, it really cuts across the whole spectrum. When we started talking about research and innovation, people thought about it's either about the university and these researchers in their white coats in the labs or the lottery ticket winner of a startup. But really, when you look at the whole ecosystem of people that, that are employed by this research funding that comes in, it is, it is a broad range of companies. And so we really think it's good for the whole state. So what we would look for is, uh, over time, off of today's baseline, is growth in the number of companies, growth in the number of jobs. Uh, We would look at growth in funding coming into the state for research because, again, that brings in money that's good and gets recycled through the local economy. And um, additional growth in levels of patents and that kind of thing that would indicate a vibrancy in the in the state's economy. Well, you know, way back in like the golden age of telework dreams, you know, and it was about uh, it was about bringing the Dells to co-locate here and the large companies to co-locate here. And, you know, that turned out to be very difficult, a high bar to meet. But we still wanted to grow this. Can you think broadly speaking what what policy would be? Uh, initiatives would be helpful to foster rather than focusing on trying to get Sony to open a 2,000-person office. How do you foster more of the smaller companies? Right. So what we saw when we looked at other communities like in Washington, Utah, or San Diego was one of the things that that created the most energy was was a really good linkage between the research universities in those areas and the business community in those areas because you really created a uh, clustering around some of the expertise that was available in the u- university, some of the great ideas that are out there in the entrepreneurial community, and some of the things that are unique to the locations where they are. So a, a lot of times in Hawaii, we focus on the things we don't have, like ma- big manufacturing and all that. But we've got really world-class research that's going on here in a lot of areas. Mm-hmm. Nobody else has, volca- has a volcano. We've got an amazing ocean and marine studies environment here. We've got the telescope and space studies that are here. We've got the cancer center that's here. We've got, uh, even in, when you think about it in, in terms of the electrical grid situation in Hawaii, it's challenged like nowhere else in the world. And so to the extent that we can bring the resources of the business community, the university, and the entrepreneurs that are around here in, to solve those problems, we create uh, more energy and more opportunity for, for companies to thrive. The, uh, the, I guess the last thing I wanted to ask you is, do you see the participants in the Hawaii Business Roundtable from their corporate uh, viewpoint maybe embracing more of the small tech companies in 
perhaps opportunities that they may have at the, at their disposal? Yeah, I think we're working on all those things now. And I, I think the first thing we've accomplished is an awareness, right? Mm-hmm. And an awareness and a common language that we're trying to get about what this opportunity really is. And so now um, what what is clearly a priority for the traditional business community, if you want to call it that, is growth of and, and good opportunities, good jobs. As much as we love tourism in the military, not everybody wants to be working in those industries. Even surprisingly, some people don't want to work in banks. But, but <laughs> what? So we, I know, it's shocking. But what we're really trying to get is to make sure that we've got kind of the diversity in our economy, that, that our kids who want to work in technology have good opportunities here. So the growth and the diversification in that opportunity so that our, all our kids can work here. They don't, if they want to be in technology, they don't have to go to the mainland. That's a priority for us, and that's why we're getting behind looking for ways to help this grow. So this was a preview of the report, but yep. it's coming out. So where can someone go to find more information or to be ready for that uh, document? To so be we'll, we'll be posting it. It'll be on uh, hawaiibusinessroundtable.org, mm-hmm. and we'll make sure that we get more out to you on different ways to get at the report and the, the messages that we're prioritizing from it. Great. Absolutely. Thanks, Rich, for joining us. No, I really appreciate the opportunity. I hope we can continue the discussion. Most definitely. And that's what's been happening this week. We'll take a short break, and when we return, we'll be joined by Paul Lawler and Melissa Chang to get their suggestions for holiday gadgets. What new tech projects, toys, uh, products were most impressive this year? We'd, of course, love your thoughts or questions as part of that conversation. You can give us a call at 941-3689 or toll-free from the Neighbor Islands, 877 And, of course, we're live here in the studio monitoring Twitter. You can tweet us at ByteMarks or at Hawaii. This is ByteMarks Cafe. On December 13th, Ho'omana Namele, a collection of young Hawaiian musician composers, bring their talents to HBR's Atherton Studio. Ian O'Sullivan, Blaina Singh, and Duncan Kamakana Osorio first perform original music from each of their upcoming CDs, then come together for a unique collaboration. That's Saturday the 13th at 7.30 p.m. Reservations at hprtickets.org or by calling 955-8821 during business hours. week, Says You, Public Radio's game of words and wit, attempts to present a seamless professional presentation with varying results. Where are the words? The words are downstairs. This is not helpful. This is an embarrassing moment. <laughs> Perhaps you can tell them when these shows will air. And yeah. then you won't have ah. to do that. A teaching later. moment. Yes, a teaching moment. And uh, I really don't know when these shows will air. Here Says You, Thursday at 4 p.m. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk show programming. Mahalo to contributors Straub Clinic and Hospital, Infinity of Honolulu, and Gourmet Events Hawaii. Welcome back to Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. And of course, joining us today is our annual gadget show, and we have a couple of Gadget Geeks here, Paul Lawler and Melissa Chang. Paul, 
And of course, this is uh, his LinkedIn summary reads, experienced information technology executive, educator, and information architect, general purpose geek and gadget guy. Very nice. Melissa, meanwhile, has more than 25 years experience in marketing and public relations. She's currently a freelance writer and independent marketing consultant specializing in integrating social media with traditional media to maximize the marketing efforts of her clients. And of course, what are some of your favorite electronic devices? We'd love to hear your questions and comments and that number to call is 941-3689 on Oahu or 877-941-3689 from the neighbor islands. Melissa and Paul, we want to welcome you both to Bite Marks Cafe. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Well, Well, you know, if you guys don't like your introductions, you should change your LinkedIn profiles. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But I mean, you know, that's where I go to find... It's on the internet. The li- How could it possibly that's be right. wrong? I mean, it's got to be the most recent. As long as you find the right Melissa Chang. There might be a few of That's those. right. Yeah, yeah. I, I was pretty sure that I got the right one. But Melissa, you know, every time I see you uh, working, <laughs> working so hard as you do, you can produce some pretty great photos. And I always see you with this, this like... Uh, this lens that is detached from a body, and <laughs> and I'm always curious, what is this? What is this device that you have? So let's start with cameras. Yes. Okay. Yes. What you got? So I love my Sony QX100. It is um, a lens that um, uh, connects to your phone via Wi-Fi, and it produces high quality pictures. So you can post better pictures to um, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And and um, typically, how much that and that's been around for a little while. How much does that cost? I've had it for about a year, and it is uh, four hundred fifty dollars. You can probably get it cheaper on Amazon.com. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then they have a new version now, QX One, which has a flash. It's now, a flash built into the yeah. I mean, it has a th- tiny flash that, that pops up like that. Oh, no, wow. I think I it is it key to to say that it does look like the lens for an DSLR without the DSLR body. Right. Yes, right. And yes. So. How do you you just hold it in one hand like you're holding a little cup and you yeah. s- where do you see you see the picture on your phone? Yeah, the phone becomes a viewfinder, and you get the if you take a picture with this lens, um, and you see it on your phone, are you getting the full X megapixel picture on your phone right there, or do no. you have to go and sync it somewhere? It's a download? smaller version to my phone. Ah, so I see. So yeah. that's sort of like the shareable version. Yes, but you do get a big one you if you want a huge to version. Print it, or yeah. and the big version is stored on a on a SD card. On a card, or yes. Ah. All right. Well, um, Paul, you brought a camera with um, a lens system that I'm certainly not quite f- so familiar with. Tell us about that one. Uh, well, I've got a couple here, actually. One of them is the uh, Fuji uh, 3D HD camera, which is kind of interesting because it actually has two lenses. So it does, it can do stereo because people have stereo vision. And uh, it you can either view the 3D images on the camera itself or on your 3D TV. And you can also take 3D video and view that on your 3D TV as well. So uh, you need uh, – it's great that it's a single lens or a single uh, camera. It looks like any pocket camera with two lenses on it. But you need special equipment. Do you need the red and blue movie theater glasses to see a three-dimensional image? Or? Uh, no, you use the same goggles that you do for the 3D TV for any other 3D programming on your TV. Well, you know, I remember when 3D TVs were kind of like the next big thing, mm-hmm. but I don't think that's... Now it's all 4K. I don't see quite as much 3D out there. I mean, do you see much use of that? Are you taking really cool pictures that boggle your mind when you see it on a three-dimensional television? Um, no, but it was really inexpensive. Well, that's always a good <laughs> idea was, for a gift. It was a Black Friday deal, so... What, so. Uh, on sale, what was something like that? $69. Be? That's a great gift. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. 
Now, now this other camera thing that you have, it's a it's a Lytro yeah. camera. So this one is a couple years old. This is the Lytro camera. Yep. And what the Lytro does, it's very interesting, is it takes all depths of field simultaneously. Oh. So you can't take a picture out of focus. Uh-huh. Whatever's in focus, when you take the picture, after you process it, you can just go with your mouse and click any point in the picture, and it will refocus on that point. So I have my I have the Lytro here. And I'm pointing it, and you can see my laptop right in front of me, and you're out of focus. I pull the trigger. I, I trigger the shutter, and I get that picture. What you're saying is even after I've taken that picture, somewhere in the digital file is a version of that scene where you're in focus and my laptop when, is out When of you focus. post that picture up to Facebook, I can click on it, and any part of the picture I click on will come into focus. It takes all depths of field at the same time. And how is it storing that image? Is it storing it on a, a, a you know sort of external um Memory device? Um, it, it has an SD card in it. Uh, okay. And and, it actu- and you can just cut, connect in with a cable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How do you view your picture that you're taking? Uh, you can either view it on the camera itself or you can... Um, oh. It looks like a little jewelry box, yeah. a little square box. It's you can upload telescope. it to Facebook or to a website. Oh. And, oh. and anybody can go to the website and use the tools to manipulate the image. It's our uh, annual Gadget Geek Gift Shopping Show. If you've got a toy or a tool that you'd like to share, you can give us a call at 941-3689 or toll-free from the neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. And we want to welcome Andrew from Waipahu to Bite Marks Cafe. Welcome to the show. Hello. I just wanted to um, call in about one of the big things I'm into is fitness tech. And um, I got burned a little earlier this year with a Crayo smartwatch, and I would just like to... Um, like fitness wearable tech. I'd just like to get your opinion on kind of the upcoming trends with, with that, like the, the Fitbit Surge and the Apple iWatch coming out. Um, what do y'all see as far as, you know, maybe- Oh. Oh, Unfortunately, I believe we've lost him, but he well, says fitness tech. And, and wearable, wearable tech, tech. And, and smartwatches, which is actually a, a kind of interesting yeah. segue into another aspect that I know we have some experts here in the room on. I saw a couple of. Do you know the Krayos, for example, the Krayos smartwatch? No, but it's a it's a fitness band and a smartwatch. You've got something kind of fancy looking on your wrist. Yeah, what, what is tell that? Us about that? Oh, this is the new Fitbit Charge. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I actually had the Fitbit Force, which, if you recall, is the one that was recalled. <laughs> so I sent it back because I thought I don't want a brand new thing that's been recalled, and this is the model that replaced it. What was the recall? Recall. Uh, there was a nickel from? plating on it oh, that some I people see. had a reaction to. Oh, well, yikes. so. Uh, a Fitbit is a in generally an inexpensive uh, and durable device that is a pedometer, it, you know, things like that. So when it's in the watch form like that, uh, what other things does that do? Uh, so it, at a glance, gives me the time of day, uh, the number of steps I've walked, the number of stairs I've climbed, the distance that I've walked. And then I get lots of other things like how well I slept and things like that by attaching it to the PC or to my phone. So now, the Creo smartwatch, the caller mentioned, I should at least uh, add some context. Mm-hmm. It was an Indiegogo. It was a crowdfunding campaign. It's the smartwatch, and they're specifically talking about voice and gesture control on this. They only wanted $100,000, and as with these kind of gadgets, they raised $1.5 million. Wow. So it's clearly on the market. He has one. Now I'm kind of curious about it. <laughs> uh, uh, Melissa, are you wearing anything that's tracking you right now? No, not not me. Not right now. <laughs> but um, I'm as you mentioned this, I went to Microsoft Store's um, launch of their version of the Fitbit. I, I, 
I I'm sorry, I can't remember what it was called, but um, it's the same thing. It, it tracks your steps, your sleep. Um, I understand you can check your text messages and your email on it, but it would be kind of small. Mm-hmm. Oh, the Microsoft Band. Yes. The creatively named no, Microsoft I, Band. No, I noticed that, you know, of course, ever since you could get the time from your you know, smartphone, I, I pretty much divorced myself from anything wearable on my wrist, and I, I, I noticed the uh, two uh, folks here, Ryan and Paul, both have something on both wrists, and, and <laughs> one of them is common to both of them, which is the Pebble. Now, what's up with the Pebble watch? I mean, why is it so popular? Even Jason Taglinetti got one. That's right. It's been around for a while. It's not new technology, and I just bought one like a month ago. So, Paul, explain why that's not ridiculous. <laughs> why? Well, I, I, I got my first Pebble from Kickstarter, uh-huh. and they wanted 100000 and raised $10 million. What? So <laughs> uh, that was kind of interesting, but... Uh, the the nice thing about the Pebble is that the display is a black and white display, which does not draw very much power. So it only has to be charged once every five days instead of being charged every day. Every day, right. And it does all the basic things I needed to do. If uh-huh. I get a phone call, it shows up mm-hmm. here. If I get a text message, it shows up here. I can control my music from here. I can even put my uh, Starbucks card on here. And yeah, do PayPal. You can check in on Swarm. There's the apps for almost anything. Look up Yelp. You're walking down the street. You touch your phone. It'll say, here's the nearest restaurant with four-star no, no, reviews. No, you said you can control your music, but you're not listening to your music on your watch, right? You're still, it's still tethered to your smartphone. It's tethered, yes. Everything that it does is basically tethered to the phone. Mm-hmm. And the story that I, I can tell just happened this morning was, of course, now that I, I have this massive massive iPhone 6, which is still kind of ridiculously sized. I'm I know, still it's huge. Used to it. it's, it's, it's silly. Um, so now, But now I can leave it on my desk or I leave it in my backpack and I'm just walking around the office with my watch. So my wife called this morning. I was in the conference room and my watch told me she's calling. So I burst out of the conference room, run down the hall and grab my phone on my desk. And the three people right there were like, how did you hear the phone? How did you know? It was like they thought I was like bat hearing or That's right. a secret like sense, super, super, but it was yeah. just my fo- my watch. Okay, so the I would say the compelling thing about the Pebble is its affordability. Now, right now, there are a lot of smart watches on the market in the $200 range, a little more than that. The LG G Watch, the Motorola 360, Microsoft, of course, also getting into the market there. Yeah, and the when the Apple level, Watch comes out, what's yeah, that going to be? $350 oh. for the Apple Watch. So when you look at a Pebble and when it's on sale, $70, list price $100. For the functionality that you get, it is a great deal, I mm-hmm. think. It is, yeah. And there's a, they just introduced a stainless steel model for $150, and they can't keep it in stock. I should note, though, that they tend to do a refresh every CES, or the equivalent now, of that uh, event. So many people are saying there's going to be a new Fitbit in like a month. So that's part of it. But I would say that, again, you just get that basic model for 100 bucks or less. Uh, it's a great stocking stuffer for a geek. Now, you know, I saw Melissa, uh, uh, she's such a pro. She, you know, like uh, wanted to take a group photo of all of us and, and whipped out her uh, selfie stick. Now, I've been looking selfie. around I've been looking around for <laughs> selfie sticks, and, and, you know, they, they range in, in price. Uh, the cheapest one I could find was around 30 bucks. But, oh. Melissa, I mean, you had your selfie stick for a while. Before and, it was cool. Yeah, before it was cool. <laughs> no, actually, <laughs> no, the, cool. the one you saw me using before was Parkrat's selfie stick. Oh, oh my God, Paul has, has a selfie oh, stick, Paul too. has a selfie stick. So for those who are not do not have teenagers in their family, for example, what is a selfie <laughs> stick? What are we talking about? It's here? a telescopic stick where you can um, attach your your smartphone and do selfies because your arm isn't long enough to do nice selfies. Right. So remember the Ellen problem from the Oscars, I yes. think, and she tried to fit thirty people in there, and it was mm-hmm. difficult. Correct. This you can get your phone three feet away from you, pointing back at you. Yes. Now. Um, 
you can just get a stick, I presume, and tape your phone to it. But what's the <laughs> technology in this that makes it cool? Um, mine has a Bluetooth um, shutter, so I can attach my phone and do the selfie and click it from far away. Oh, okay. Because yeah. I'm using a regular monopod, and I just put my phone on the end of it, but I have to turn the timer on for three seconds and uh, then and then position it and wait no, for that's the, the geeky right. way of that's doing well, it. if you don't have the bluetooth shutter you have to set the timer. right right but but building it into the stick is is pretty good um and i i, I didn't even know apparently there's a selfie stick kiosk now at pro ridge i mean yes and my daughter was like oh i want a pink one i mean there's a wide variety of yeah these. so those are more expensive because the one at the kiosk which is downtown at pro ridge near mm-hmm. sears um they have um, colors and you can get one that's totally blinged out so if you like a, a lot of crystals on the handle you know th- that's <laughs> well how come yours is not too blinged out yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm very Chinese Utilitarian. so I got, <laughs> I got mine on Amazon.com for about 8 bucks and that's the other thing too I had to wait for it I, I bought it for about 8 bucks with the with the Bluetooth thing and um, I well, had to wait Paul any um, observations about your selfie stick I feel bad now I paid eleven ninety nine for mine <laughs> oh you're not a good Chinese <laughs> oh, yeah Paul you, uh, yeah, you can't pass for Chinese now uh, you know in terms of the selfie stick is this something that was much more popular in Asia as opposed to here or was, or was it um, yeah what's you, the wave that's occurring with selfie I, sticks I'd say you'd see it all over Asia Mm-hmm. More and well, and now I, we're finally and Waikiki. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although when when this thing came in at Pro Ridge, there's another kiosk called Eight Eight O Eight Cases that's uptown near Starbucks. Um, uh, when their selfie sticks came in, they sold out right away, and there was a waiting list. So, so it's still a hot gift. So again, again, if you're talking about seven bucks, eight bucks to to maybe thirty bucks, if you want a blinged out mm-hmm. Bluetooth one, yeah. a wide range and a great gift for for, for <laughs> basically if you have that friend on Facebook that you always see their big arm taking up half of the picture of themselves, those are the people that need a selfie stick. Yes. Yep, yep. <laughs> now what, uh, any other accessories you have here with uh, your your uh, Sony lens? Um, so I got this, oh, th- th- this little LED light. So uh-huh. for those of us who take pictures of our food, you know, sometimes you go to restaurants that are dark. and um, Yeah, food doesn't look good photographed in the dark. <laughs> but th- this one, you know, it... Um, oh, there's little buttons. Wait a minute now. That 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 has like a row, like uh, maybe four rows, four rows, and and uh, maybe ten LEDs. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's. Um, I actually don't know what it's called. I, um, I got it on photojojo.com. Oh, photojojo is a good yes. site for like the cool, weird little accessories for photography. Yes, my wife got her Allo Clip, which is a wide-angle lens for her iPhone, ah. uh, off Photo Jojo. So I think that's a that's a pretty good deal. Now yeah. you know that uh, that little flash. I mean, you basically have to turn it on. You keep it keep it lit, right? Yes. And then, do you uh, have any special techniques upon which you might <laughs> angle that? Oh my God! That, no, not that, that. I know that's <laughs> revealing a secret because I know your photos are beautiful. <laughs> so you're not just like blasting it straight on, right? You kind of do it maybe from an angle. Yeah. Sometimes we we depending on what what kind of lighting and what we're shooting blah blah um you know we'll, we'll shoot right overhead or hold it close far at an angle or one trick that i learned from bill milne who's like this big time photographer in new york you put a cocktail napkin a white cocktail napkin uh-huh, over it uh-huh, and it filters and yeah, it. Yeah, it now i noticed that it, it is a white uh, set of leds so it's pretty you know pretty much a bright white light yes uh do you Desire any other more earth tones, like you know, like yellows or something? I mean, is that is the white fine enough to you know? Yeah, white white's fine enough. Okay, okay. Um, Any other uh, things on the photography front, Paul, that you would share for a shutterbug looking for a good gadget gift? Boy, you know, I'm going to have to defer to Melissa on that because she takes fabulous photos. She does. I'm pretty much an amateur. (laughs) Although I have to say that uh, I hardly ever use my real cameras anymore because I have my phone now. 
Now, one thing that I think I'll say, because uh, you, you and I are also gadget uh, peers, siblings in this <laughs> way, is that um, the iPhone generally is thought to be the best all-around camera. Certain things other cameras on phones do okay or better than others, but uh, the iPhone has always been pretty good. But uh, although I would upgrade anyway, I think that the 6, the current model of the iPhone, the 6 and the 6 Plus, in terms of the performance of the camera, is is so noticeably better, particularly when you're indoors, when you're not out in the sun. Um, I cannot believe some of the things that come off of this. And if that's something that you like, you might consider You know, it. I think that um, um, this is the perfect uh, uh, perfect group because <laughs> uh, we're all fan boys and girls of of. Apple devices, <laughs> and we probably could spend the I'm next buy, half hour yeah, yeah. talking about this. So we want to hold that thought. Okay. We'll be right back after the short break to continue our conversation with Paul Lawler and Melissa Chang about their favorite holiday gift ideas. Is this holiday season a good one or a better one than other years? And, of course, we'd love to hear from you. What did you get for that geek in your life? You can give us a call at 941-3689 or from the neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. We're also listening on Twitter. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Say you have a baby. Do you see the owl? You raise her with love. One day I'm going to be able to tell her, you can do this. Push yourself. The kid's going to turn out exactly as you planned, right? Yeah. Hold on here. It would be nice if life was like that, but life isn't like that. Life is hard. Are we bound by our DNA, or can a parent change it? That's on the next Radio Lab. Saturday morning at 10. Each week, New Dimensions explores the social, political, scientific, environmental, and spiritual frontiers with some of today's foremost social innovators, thinkers, scientists, and creative artists. Hello, I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Next time on New Dimensions, we'll be featuring a talk I gave in the summer of 2014 about thriving in chaotic times. Sunday morning at 11. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. And we're talking to Paul Lawler and Melissa Chang about their favorite gadget geeky stocking stuffers. And, of course, will this year's buying season break the bank? Well, of course, you can give us a call here. The number is 941-3689 on Oahu. And from the neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. And right before the break, we were getting into the iPhone 6. Now, everybody in the room who has an iPhone 6, please raise their hand. I think that's me. <laughs> I think that's everybody here. So so obviously, you know, this has been something that uh, we were all um, very desirous of. And uh, I'm the only guy, I think, in here that has just a 6. Everybody else has a plus. No, I have a no? plus. Oh, regular. okay. So, so, Paul, tell us, I mean, what compelled you, besides the fact that you want to get everything brand new, uh, why you got the uh, iPhone 6? Okay, 6 in my defense, yes. I, I upgraded to this from a 4S. So you oh. waited. I, I skipped. I didn't find the five to be especially compelling, mm-hmm. um, and I wanted a bigger screen. So that, and as did a lot of other people, it apparently, seems, yes. judging by their sales. But uh, the reason I chose the six plus instead of the six is because of the better camera. And I'm kind of regretting that decision because I have a real hard time texting with one hand now. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I'd have to say that the size of the Plus is not in an insignificant barrier for a lot of people. I, I've gotten used to it, but I still feel con- you know, self-conscious about it. And when I pull it out in the elevator, I feel like people are looking at me. Funny. They are looking at you. So <laughs> uh, I, my wife got the 6, and I think that it's a good, uh, good. It's still a solid phone. The thing that the Plus gets you, if you didn't know, is a mechanically optimi- uh, optically stabilized lens. Right. So it's not 
not just software trying to keep it sharp, but it's actually moving, which is kind of cool. And of course, the the battery life on the six is also significant. The six plus is significantly better because it's bigger, right? Just because it's bigger, yeah, right. I think. And uh, uh, Melissa, I mean, what the, what compelled you to get your six? Um, my iPhone five broke. That's so always that's a good, good reason. reason. Yeah. <laughs> now, not to not to be too you know on one platform. I I consider myself an open minded kind of a. And I carry a Nexus 5, which is a great Android phone, but the camera is terrible. So if you have an Android phone or you use Android, uh, my coworker has the uh, HTC uh, One Mm -hmm. M8. Very good camera on that. Sony, their smartphone, has a very good camera on it. And the, the Nokia Lumia, I think actually if I were to carry a phone just to be a camera, it would be the Nokia Lumia. The only problem is right now you have to use Windows Phone. So. But there are good f- cameras on that side, too. But given the fact that, you know, everybody here has an iPhone 6, I mean, one of the things that I do uh, observe about its photo capabilities is that in low light, it, it does take some really stunning photos. I think that was the big difference. I mean, that every year it gets better. But this year, you know, I can now sit on my couch and take a picture of my kid, and it doesn't just look like brown smudge. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. there's actually a child recognizable in the photo. <laughs> and I think that's, that's a significant improvement. Okay, so is that a recommendation for people to maybe consider the iPhone 6 as a, uh, uh, a gadget to pick up? Yeah. I, I, was, I was blown away by the, the low light capabilities. Yeah, yeah. We're talking to Melissa Chang and Paul Lawler about gadget gifts and things that are great to give give or get as a geek if you've got a thought or a question you've got a shopping conundrum you can give us a call at 941-3689 or toll free from the neighbor islands at 877-941-3689 now paul you know you showed us this little device it's a little router and it's uh i i will defer to you to describe this to our listeners because you know it's you very can geeky. probably yeah you can probably do the <laughs> the best description of all okay it's it's like a little square lipstick. Okay. <laughs> it's about the size of a lipstick, and it's square, and it has a USB connector, and it has a uh, female RJ45, which Ethernet. is an Ethernet mm-hmm. connector. And so what you do with this is you plug the USB side of it into your, uh, perhaps your... Uh, computer? Your computer, if you have one that doesn't have a Ethernet port, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. all of the mm-hmm. new... Apple's. Apple computers. Yeah. So you can plug this in. You can then plug it into Ethernet. The nice thing uh-huh. that it has is a built-in wireless router. So if I go to a hotel, for example, I can plug the Ethernet into this, plug this into my computer, log in through the hotel system and authenticate myself, and then attach to this with any other Wi-Fi device. So right now, I mean, Bert was just telling me about how he, how he overpaid for an Ethernet adapter for his MacBook Air, which has a Ethernet plug on one end and the USB on the other end. Or actually, I think this is uh, Thunderbolt. Mm-hmm. But it, that's all it does. It connects the Internet to his laptop. Mm-hmm. What you're saying is for the same price, you can get, do, do that exact same thing, but then have a Wi-Fi signal that you can share with everyone in your family, for example, at that hotel, and they can all use your Wi-Fi together, too. That's correct. So what is that um, called, or the device, or the model, and the price? Um, it's an Asus, and I'm not sure what the model number is here. Asus? Not yeah. Asus? Well, it's actually pronounced Asus. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Asus? <laughs> 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 oh. and, and it runs about 39 you said? I believe it was about $39. That's yeah. it? Yeah. Ooh, I want one. Well, let's switch from um, from images, and then and, and that's pretty geeky, I would agree, to audio, I think, because it looks like uh, Melissa has something. I'm going to guess yes. that's a microphone, but it looks actually like a little disco ball, the size of a disco ball that would attach to your iPhone. So what, am, what are we looking at there? Yes, yeah, so this is an IQ5, 
Um, it's a microphone that it does attach to your iPhone um, so that you can uh, get better audio when you do videos. Mm-hmm. So, so, so this is this is gonna uh, um, basically cancel out the built-in microphone and and uh, yeah use this it as the audio a better source. sound. Yeah, uh-huh. is yeah. it uh, it's more what three sixty? I mean, what Why what have you noticed like in terms ball? of <laughs> <laughs> what have <laughs> you noticed about its sort of sound quality? Better dynamic range. I mean, what yeah, much much better sound quality. I I don't know a whole lot about it yet because there's a lot of a lot of different settings. Oh wow, um, and. Uh, but yeah, it it picks up better sound, and um, you know the the iPhone picks up okay sound, but this just makes it better. Oh, so yeah. this one does have a lightning connector. So I was wondering, you know, does it connect to the the headphone jack, which has yeah. a microphone sensor or uh, connector in it? But this actually takes advantage, it looks like, of the the electronics in the in the lightning connector. So yes, while you are taking a video with your phone, it is just recording with that better microphone versus just the little microphone yes. at the bottom. Yes, and the and it rotates um, and. And this way and that way. I'm sorry. Did uh, was this asked? Um, how much did you pay for that? Oh, seventy five dollars. Oh well, but if you, you know what, I would say that the hardest thing to do when you're making, if you become a YouTube star, taking video and even bad video yes. is okay. The thing that kills you is awful audio. So it, yes. I think it's worthwhile to invest in a good audio pickup device. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I believe you can also switch it between being omnidirectional and unidirectional, which makes a big difference. Yeah. So you know we've uh, we've actually had a shy caller call in and ask a shy a, shopper, a shy shopper, and uh, ask us probably one of the questions that would potentially stump the hosts. Uh-oh. And the question is is of this nature: they want to find the best value for something that will connect your HD camera to your HD television. Ooh. HD camera to your HD television. I mean. I wirelessly. Yeah. So, what would that uh, would that be like entail? I'm I'm like an Apple TV. Yeah, I mean, it would depend on the devices on either end, or the the people use like the iFi card, which is a a card you can put in a standard camera slot that would transmit that picture to another destination. Um, that, and I would think I would tricky. think the HD camera. I mean, if you're taking um, something, I mean, wouldn't you have your computer somewhere in the middle of that, and perhaps. No, well, uh, and maybe use a Chromecast to. That could work. That well, could work to, to uh, broadcast. Apple TV it that Chromecast. Way. That yeah. is, that's what I actually. And you use. know, from a from a price point standpoint, I mean, you're Chromecast talking Chromecast is like thirty, 30 bucks. bucks, right? Yeah, yeah. And and the HD camera is going to talk to your computer anyway. Right. That so maybe work. that's the most cost effective way. But most HD cameras, I mean, that's why we would kind of need to know the model would have an HDMI out port on the actual camera. Like, mm-hmm. so let's say mm-hmm. you take a video at your family mm-hmm. vacation and then you want to show it to them mm-hmm. in the living room, you would usually do a direct connection. HDMI. So, yeah. Yeah. And HDMI. Well, of course, that's not wireless as a cable, but you know, that's like just buy the cable. Yeah, but I would say look into those sort of uh, rebroadcast sort of Mm -hmm. uh, things, the AirPlay on the Apple side Mm -hmm. with the Apple TV or the Chromecast on the Windows and Chrome laptop side. I don't have one yet, but Kindle just came out with a similar device. Oh, the the, Fire, yeah. Actually, I've heard a lot of good things if you're looking for that. The Amazon Fire Stick, Stick. which is like the Amazon Mm -hmm. Fire TV, which is a box, but it's only a USB stick-sized thing. You know, and that's great for selling you Amazon (laughs) <laughs> products. So, <laughs> well, let's 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 switch to things that you don't plug in because I actually I think our minds were primarily blown by something that Paul brought in that looks like ah. a book. Is that a book with like pages and paper? What what well, have you this got is like there? a totally non tech thing, but oh, it's a totally it's geeky. geeky thing. Okay, totally yeah, geeky. it's a geeky thing, but but it's non tech. I 
I actually somebody posted this on Facebook and I said I have to have this. Um, I'm a, a Game of Thrones fan, and this is a Game of Thrones pop up book. What? <laughs> <laughs> so that is, it Ooh, there's a castle. Ultimately, all of the castles. It has the wall. It has all of your favorite scenes from Game of Thrones, and with within each page, there are multiple little pop ups that happen on the page itself. So there's probably 30 or 40 different pop-ups. And I, uh, I need to tell you, wow. I need to tell that our is. listeners that, uh, you know, I attempted to open this book up and I got scoldings because I was trying to open too many pages at one time. And <laughs> this is a very delicate book because the, the 3D image, I mean, the 3D pop-ups are very intricate. Yeah, it's, it's, it's quite interesting. And so, uh, you know, if you know the TV show, if you know a geek that's obsessed with it, the opening credits kind of look like little pop-up things. So this is the physical manifestation of that. I'm very impressed. It looks great. But how much is the Game of Thrones pop-up book? <laughs> I believe it was $39. Oh, well, that's reasonable. That's I wouldn't give it to a small child unless no. you want pieces of a Game of Thrones <laughs> pop-up book. But uh, it is, it, 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 it's very cool. So uh, how much did you pay for this? Uh, $39. 39 bucks. You know, we got another shy caller, and they uh, wanted <laughs> another another attempt to stomp, you know, the uh, the uh, By Mars Cafe host, right? Uh, uh, they're looking for tablet-size phones. Oh. Now, what would you recommend as a tablet? Now, of course, the iPhone 6, 6 Plus, Plus is a tablet-size phone yeah. in my mind. Um, if you're looking for that size, I would – well, I, I – I personally would choose almost any manufacturer other than Samsung. And I say that knowing that most people own Samsung. So that's okay. That's mm-hmm. totally reasonable. You can get the Samsung Note 4. It's doing okay. I will say that their company is in financial having financial difficulties because they're not selling as many of those, I think, because of the number of other manufacturers now making very big phones. They get lots of credit props for being the first to make the giant phone, but they don't make the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that the Google Nexus 6, mm-hmm. if I had to get a giant phone, it would be the Google Nexus 6. Now, how big? But the Google Nexus 6 is not that much bigger than it's the like 5.7. 6 Plus, right? No, it's bigger it than the bigger. 6 Plus. Oh. It, it, it is also bigger than what we're carrying. So if you think this is silly, that's even sillier. Okay. The reason why you want to get a Nexus phone, my opinion is that it's the pure Android experience. Just like when you got a computer back in the 890s and Microsoft would put all this other stuff on there that you didn't want to want, most phone makers and carriers will put stuff on your phone that you don't want. When Mm -hmm. you get the Google Nexus 6, it is just there's nothing junking it up. So you get the pure Android experience and, you know, I think Nexus is a is a, a, a good piece of hardware. I have the Nexus 5. I still love it. So I think the Nexus 6, if you want something big, is the way to go. Any thoughts, Paul? Um, I agree, although I really like the look of the, the note with the curved edge. I think that's just a fabulous look. Oh, the note edge? The yeah. one that actually has the screen right, on the that, side yeah, of the phone. That the screen wraps around. Now, I don't feel that has any practical <laughs> purpose, but it looks like a Star Trek It doesn't, Trek but it prop. looks fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> so, I just like the fact that the iPhone 6 has little curved glass, <laughs> and, and, you know, it sort of shines in the light. Very, very <laughs> Anyway, cool. I'm, I'm kind of geeking out here. <laughs> now, Melissa, you got kind of a cool little battery from Japan that I oh. <laughs> thought was cute. Yeah. So this one has um, cupcakes and skulls all over it. I love cupcakes extra. and skulls. <laughs> they go good together. Yeah. So actually... Um, you can get all kinds of external batteries that mm-hmm. are pretty cheap, anywhere from like $8 all the way up to $50. No, no. Um, what does that uh, give you in terms of, uh, let's say, battery life? If you're down to 10% on your iPhone, what does that kick you up to? Um, 
I just did it today and well, I've been using my phone, so it's kind of not fair, but I think mm-hmm. it went up to 70-something percent. That's pretty good. Oh, that's good. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, and I think, Paul, you would agree that uh, running out of power is now kind of like the, the primary stressor of the tech-connected generation. The first because, world generation. Yeah, first, first world, world yeah. problems. Yeah. Because as these devices get smaller, the batteries get smaller, but you're using them more. Do you carry a supplemental energy source of, of it? I, I have two, actually. They're, they're made by Anchor, and Anchor. I highly yeah. recommend Anchor. A-N-K-E-R. A N K E R. I I carry one too. It's uh it's it's heavy. It's you know it's probably uh fist sized, but it actually carries enough power to charge not just my phone, but let's I I bought it to go to to uh, Orlando, mm-hmm. and I was mm-hmm. all of my kids were plugging in this thing, and it was powering us all of us all of these phones through the day. So, um, but I agree that you can even get a little like twenty dollar one. It'll give you a tiny little boost, mm-hmm. but trust me, when you're like out at a party and it's eleven at night and you need to make one last phone call, that tiny little bit of juice, that twenty dollar battery, is actually a pretty good thing to have on. As you. long yeah. as you have that little guy recharged, right? Keep ready it charged. To, yeah. keep if it you have no idea what to get for your favorite geek for Christmas, you can't go wrong with a external battery yeah. pack. Everybody can use an extra. Battery. Yeah, no, that's good. So you got the Anchor Mm -hmm. batteries. Now, Anchor, uh, typically, how much was that? Um, the one I got was uh, eighty nine dollars, I think. And you know, basically, once you get into this sort of thing, it's almost like uh, the old days of buying a stereo or whatever. It's like, okay, what's the amps and how many ports and how fast does it charge? You can get some pretty high performance things um, for hundreds of dollars. And I know an, an ingress player mm-hmm. who carries what must be a three hundred dollar anchor battery that is only a little bit smaller than what looks like a car battery. But oh. I guess that could, I think that guy could go for a week <laughs> with ten phones. Uh, so I'll use my good. solar panel. A recharger, but between twenty and eighty dollars. Yeah. Now, now, Paul, idea. you gave us a couple of last-minute uh, suggestions, and one of them, one of them was NavD. I want oh, you to yeah. talk a little bit about NavD. Okay, so I don't really know anything about NavD. Oh, okay, well, that's why we invited you because you don't know anything <laughs> because about it's it. not real. But it the the demo is so cool that uh-huh. it actually persuaded me to drop two hundred ninety nine dollars, hoping that it will turn into something real. So this is a Kickstarter uh, project, or what is it? Um, actually, I found it on Facebook, and uh, it's like the tile here. Okay, I, I got the tile the same way, and hoping it would turn out to be real, and it did turn out to be real. <laughs> now tell so, us, okay, so what so backtrack a little that? bit. Well, before you, okay. Finish up your story about NavD. Okay, so what NavD is, is it's a heads-up display that goes on your dashboard, and you look through it as you look through your car windshield. So it's, it, That it, sounds cool, it but It projects dangerous. it six feet in front of you. <laughs> okay, and what about the tile? I've seen the ads on Facebook. Uh, you stick it to your keys, and then you can find your keys when you lose it in your couch? Right. It just connects to your phone. You From your phone, you can say, where's my tile? And it'll find it. And if there are other tile users around, it will connect to anybody's phone. So if I left, if I left this here and Ryan had a tile, it would find it for me even though I was oh, far away. Cool. Now, we're running out of time, yep. but I did want to get to this last category that came in on our Slack group. Uh, Rob has uh, something called the Kinoma Creative. Joe wanted to mention the Kano. And don't worry, we're going to put this on our Show notes. Uh, show notes right. at bitemarscafe.org. But we have the Kinoma Creative, we have the Kano, and we have Little Bits. Now, what these are are kind of like tink, thinker, tinker toys for the geeky circuit set. So if you have a child or you are a child at heart like us and you want to think of a way that you can modularly connect motors to a battery, to a circuit, to a switch, to a light, but in a way that is relatively easy to play with, all of these, the Little Bits, the Kinoma Creative, and the Kano are kind of cool ways to start the the conversation about programming so 
make a make a little device with these modular pieces that when the light comes on it plays a sound or when a sound is heard it turns on a light you know just these switches and the way that a kid can get into it i i i want to get one of these little bits for example and just start making little buzzers and triggers and things like that so uh i know we don't have time to but we'll we'll put the links up for you guys uh uh, how to connect with you guys online. And, uh, of course, Paul Lawler is an IT professional and self-proclaimed gadget geek. And Melissa Chang is a PR and marketing professional, a prolific writer, and social media diva. <laughs> thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah well, thank thanks for joining us today. <laughs> and thank you for listening to Bite Marks Cafe. Join us next week, and we'll talk about cybersecurity. And if you miss any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkscafe.org. And if you have any comments or suggestions, you can email us at feedback at bitemarks.org. And, of course, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at bitemarks. And you can follow me at Hawaii. Our engineer is David Chong, and our executive producer is Beth Ann Koslovich. And, of course, we'll see you next week on another edition of Bite Marks Cafe. Bye.